Welcome to the Faith Assembly Podcast. We're so glad that you've joined us today. It is our desire at Faith to help you connect, grow, and go in your walk with God. We hope you're encouraged by this message from Pastor Steve. Well, this morning, as uh, Pastor Steve said, I have the wonderful privilege, and that, that's exactly what this is, is a privilege, to, to speak with you guys and to just share my heart a little bit on worship. Now, I will say I have worked very diligently this week, like you can ask my wife, like day and night almost, to try to get this in in one service in one time frame because you guys do realize, Pastor, you do realize that you asked the worship pastor to come up here and talk about worship. So like... There's so much I want to say, but like I said, we're going to stick to, we're going to stick to the topic for today and I'll try not to chase, chase too many rabbit faster and we'll get you guys out of here in time to go worship. You thought I was going to say eat, didn't you? <laughs> to go worship. Well, this morning we're talking about what is in a motion. You know, we, we come from uh, or we're a part of a Pentecostal church where on a week-to-week basis, we see people lifting their hands. We see people shouting. I mean, we, we've experienced it this morning of just the joy of, of the Lord filling people and expressing those pe- same people expressing themselves in worship. And so this morning we're going to talk a little bit about that because just like Pastor Steve spoke and mentioned, last week you know we have people from all different backgrounds who may not be used to expressing worship in these ways and maybe maybe some of us don't even understand why we worship in these ways and maybe maybe another segment of us have have done this our entire lives we've we've worshiped in this way we're used to it we experience this but we don't really know the depth of what these things not only unlock in the spiritual realm but unlock in our lives as we begin to express our love to God in these ways So you guys excited about this? I know I am. Yes. All right. So Lord, Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning and we just ask that your word would be downloaded into our hearts, Lord. God, I pray this would not be me up here speaking, but you speaking through me. Lord, I pray that you would teach us something about worship this morning, God, so that as we walk out of this place today, God, we will be armed with a new tool to praise you and a new tool to worship you, God, in a way that we never have before. In your heavenly name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen, amen. So today, you get the privilege, uh, I can say that because I'm the one up here, but you get the privilege of hearing a little bit about mine and Kellen's love story. Um, And so I'll spare you some of the details. It's actually quite a long story that dates back way back into high school. And I won't say that she stalked me, but she kind of stalked me. And... um, but yeah, anyway, it wasn't like bad. It wasn't bad. It, essentially, she just found my events at Fine Arts and came and watched me. But I like to say she stalked me. Um, so anyway, so but we're going to pick up from our first date. You remember that night, baby? Yeah. We're going to pick up from our first date. So we lived in two separate places. She was in Alabama. Uh, I was in Alabama. She was in Florida. And so she had come to visit for a wedding. And so we go out. And the first time I see her, she's wearing a bright yellow coat. And like that alone was my indication of her personality just bright exciting like life of the party and and that's exactly what it was we had an amazing night and this is actually a picture from our first date this is young love right here I know it's a little grainy but it's from cell phones and what what, what year was that 2012 it wasn't too long ago Um, but so anyway this was our first night this is young Trey and Kellen at start of it all 
So I like to say, um, I cooked for her that night, and I like to say it was my cooking that won her heart, because uh, she stayed with me, but, you know, I'm sure it was just my glowing personality and how amazing I was, and I'm just kidding. Honestly, I'm the, I'm the honored one, uh, and I, I married up for sure. Um, but this is the first time that I ever saw her, our first date. We had a wonderful night. We talked a lot that night, learned a lot about each other, um, and believe it or not, we actually did a little singing together, didn't we? I forgot about that. I wasn't planning on saying that. But how fitting. Now we're still singing to this day together. So you see kind of where that started out. Well, our relationship began to progress. And uh, like I said, we lived in two different places. Uh, so we were taking trips every other week to see each other. Uh, it was about a six, six and a half hour drive. Uh, we were long distance the entire time. We never lived in the same city until we got married. So that was an interesting fact about our relationship. Um, but on one of my trips down to visit her, you know, I'd been kind of feeling the butterflies and like, man, I kind of like this girl. She's pretty cool. And, uh, and I'm like, I want to communicate to her that I like her, right? I want to show her that I like her. And so we were in the middle of watching a movie. It was the most romantic movie ever. It was Dragons. The animated kids film, Dragons. And I just, you know, kind of slipped my hand over there and grabbed her hand. And guess what? She did not pull it away. She held my hand, guys. I was so excited. Whew, okay, we got that over. And I had effectively displayed my... I don't know if it was love at that point. I say it was. I think it was love at that point. I displayed my love to her by holding her hand. Well, our, our relationship continued to go on and on. Um, it actually wasn't that long, but we began to talk about marriage and we began to talk about our futures together and we began to talk about the idea of getting married. And so, of course, you know, I'm like, all right, well, let's go out. Let's find a ring. I found a ring. Uh, she loves baseball, loves the Braves. Can I hear for the Braves? Oh, man. We, oh, come on. Who are you? It's okay. It's okay. We, we're, she, we're having an altar call later. It's okay. Um, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm a little bitter because Duke last, lost last night. But anyway, yeah, congratulations. Congratulations to the Carolina. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, so anyway, we begin to, to go on and talk about weddings. And I go out and I buy a ring. Um, and me being, you know, I've got to do things outside of the box and creative. And, and so she likes the Braves. So I was like, let me propose to her at a Braves game. And so I get this ball. I actually cut the stitches on the ball and uh, open the ball up, drill a hole inside the ball into the core put the ring in the ball sew the ball back up and put it in a bag it was her birthday weekend and in front of thousands of people I popped the question and you can see it happening right here in all its glory I popped the question she was excited and she said yes yes I was so excited I was like oh yeah so anyway I'm embarrassing her now um anyway this was a display of my love for her. This told the world on Facebook, the thousands of people that were around me, this told the world, I want you to belong to me and me to belong to you. I am making a public declaration of my love for you. Now, we planned, planned it all out. Um, she planned it all out and I was along for the ride and the day of the wedding was a whirlwind but there was a moment in the day that everything had led up to when the minister says, Trey, and it was, I think it was your dad, wasn't it? Yeah, it was her father. Says, Trey and Kellen, I now pronounce you husband and wife. What's next? You may kiss the bride. We have a picture of this. And again, I was super excited. And in that very moment, 
Everything of our relationship up to that point was culminated in a display of, of our love for one another. It, it culminated in saying it, the very first time after we had been pronounced husband and wife, we told the world through a kiss that we belong to one another. You know, the fact is, is that because I love my wife and because my wife loves me, we express our love to one another. And in fact, our PDA or public displays of affection, as you would say, proves that love between her and I. See, we talk, I talked about a couple of these, me slipping over and holding her hand, me giving her the ring, us kissing after we had been pronounced husband and wife. These were all public displays of our affection for one another. Now, PDA, me and Pastor were talking about this earlier this week. PDA, that kind of brings back like old school memories, doesn't it? We, we go back to middle school, high school, junior high, whatever. And you know, it's, a, it's, it's, it's this moment in our life that we can all relate to where maybe we have this crush on this girl or this boy and we're like, will you go out with me? And they're like, yes. And then we're like, oh, we're boyfriend and girlfriend and you wanna hold hands, you want to. I mean, in that moment in our lives, uh, maybe not all of us, but most of us, we were all about the PDA, right? We wanted to hold hands. We wanted to put our arms around each other because we wanted our friends to know that this person is off limits because they're mine, right? They're my boyfriend or girlfriend, all right? So we were all about the PDA in that context. How many of you, how many of you remember that time in your life? Yeah, a few of you, yeah, you had the feels. However, we're very used to it in that context and, and the understanding of it in that context. But when it comes to our spiritual walk with God and when it comes to our relationship with God, sometimes we just have this mental block when it comes to PDA or public displays of affection, right? We have this mental block of expressing ourselves outwardly to our God and to our Father. And you, you know, you might say, you know, we're in a Pentecostal church, Trey. I know that, that hands are raised, people shout, people cry, people bow down, clap. All of these expressions are happening. I get that that's kind of the context we're in, but maybe you think to yourself, I don't fully understand why we do these things. I don't fully understand what the purpose of these things are and why it's important. And I'm here to answer that question for all of us this morning, whether we, we have experience with it or whether we don't. I'm here to answer that question. And the reason is, is that they're important. These expressions in these ways are important because all of them are expressions of our love to God. They are expressions from our heart. They are outward expressions of an inward posture, right? And so guys, the, the reality is we, we've tried to put so many definitions and I, I do it too, but we pr try to put so many definitions on what worship is. Like worship is this, worship is that. It's if you do this, it's if you don't do that. And, and most of these definitions are true, but I'm here to break it down for you this morning. Worship is no more or no less than love expressed. Now, this applies to every area of our life. Maybe it's expressions like we see in the church here today. Maybe it's expressions when we're out on the job. Maybe it's in expressions in different ways and in different areas of our life. But nothing more or nothing less, worship is our love expressed. Now, now I, I get we can have that understanding but there's still, for some of us, a level of discomfort when it comes to this stuff. Like there's just a level of discomfort with outwardly expressing our love. Maybe we even have discomfort in the natural realm doing it like with our spouses and, and, and significant others. Um, 
just, just to prove this point for fun, by show of hands, if you fit any of these, these statements, I want you to, to, to raise your hand, all right? Um, if you've ever been uncomfortable with being asked to worship in a certain way or asked to do a certain action in worship, if you've ever been uncomfortable with seeing someone else worship in a way that you're not used to, or if you've ever been uncomfortable with the thought of giving a more demonstrative worship than you already give. So I'm gonna go ahead and raise my hand, and I think that should probably be all of us in here. And the reason being is, is because anytime that we do something or are asked to do something or, or, or think about doing something that is out of our norm or out of what we're used to do, it's uncomfortable. We're, we're creatures of habit. We're creatures of like, we want it to feel good. We want it to, to, to be comfortable in everything, right? Our society has not helped that in the slightest, but that's just, that's just who we are. But I wanna pose this question for you. In light of what God has done, and now I'm not just talking about the good feels that you have in your life every so often from the things that God is doing. I'm talking about all the way back to Calvary. In light of what God has done for each and every one of us, do you want to be able to express your love to him in a better way? Do you want to be able to say, God, I wanna give you a little bit more. I want whatever that looks like in my life. You've done enough for me. I want to give you more. And if you do, then you have come to the right place this morning because that is exactly what we're talking about. We're talking about love expressed and we're talking about what is in emotion. So if that definition is true, if worship is love expressed and these things that we're talking about, lifting hands, bowing down, all that kind of stuff are those expressions of love, then the question I wanna pose to you and the challenge I want to, to pose you to question yourself with is how do I, and put your name, how do I become more confident in giving God a newer praise and a newer worship, right? Because the, the, the reality is, is we are all at different levels. Some of us are really comfortable with raising our hands, but maybe not so much shouting. Some of us are really comfortable with dancing. Maybe some of us aren't so comfortable with uh, bowing down before him, right? So we're all at different places in our walk and in our comfort, comfort level with these expressions. So I want you to ask yourself, how do I become more confident in expressing my love in new ways? Well, we're going to answer that question this morning with two more questions. And that is, in order to, to become more confident and to go deeper and express our love deeper and in new ways, first off, we have to know why, right? We don't want to do something if we don't have the why behind it. And the second way is, is we're going to look at how. How do we express our love? So let's first look at why. I want you to turn to Romans chapter 12 for, uh, with me. If you have your Bibles, uh, we will have uh, this up on the screen as well. Um, but let's turn to Romans chapter 12. And we're so familiar with this verse, at least in the, in the worship department and, and uh, uh, in worship circles and so on and so forth. But Romans chapter 12, we find a verse that is, could be summed up as the worship verse, right? Um, it, he says that, I urge you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God to present your bodies a living sacrifice, a living holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Okay, we all know that scripture, but I want us to back up just a little bit to 11, chapter 11, verse 33, because this is where we're gonna find the why. 
We've heard Pastor Steve talk about this a lot where chapters and verses were added after the fact. And I feel like oftentimes, just as Pastor Steve has noted, so often we look at the start of a chapter and we forget anything that's before it. Each chapter is a thought in and of itself and they're not connected. That's not true. Sometimes it's true, but most of the time there is a continuation of thought. And I think that that's what's happened here. We think about 12.1 and 12.2 as this worship thought, but we have to back up just a little bit to find out the reason why we need to express ourselves in worship. So let's read this together. Chapter 11, verse 33 through 36. It says, all the depths of the riches, both of wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and unfathomable his ways. For who has known the mind of God or who became his counselor or who has first given to him that it might be paid back to him again? Now catch this, for from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Then he says, now I urge you therefore to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. So right in this text, we see why we are to worship and why we are to express our love to him. It's because he is worthy. He is worthy of our praise. It says right here that from him, through him, and to him are all things. To him be the glory. It is a declaration of our love. The reason why we express ourselves is it is a declaration of our love. He's worthy and we declare that he is worthy. Now, another reason why we worship and we express ourselves in worship is that it is a response to his goodness in our lives. In Psalms chapter uh, 28, seven, it says, the Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts him and I am helped. Therefore, my heart exalts and with my song I shall thank him. So it, sa- it says here that he's my strength and shield. It's, it's pointing out things that God is to us, what he's doing for us. So therefore I worship. So we express ourselves, we lift our hands, we bow down before him, we shout, we cry. All of these expressions of love, we do it because of his worthiness. You see it on the screen. It's a declaration of love and because it's a response of his goodness in our life. Now, the last reason that we do, well, I'm not even gonna say the last, I mean, there's a lot of reasons, but the last reason we're gonna look at today is for the edification of those around us. Now, in, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 15 through 17, you don't have to turn there, but I do wanna read this to you. Um, here's, another, here's another time where I feel like there's a gem in the middle of a, in, in the middle of a, um, Scripture that sometimes we miss. So now he, the context here is he's talking about tongues and interpretation in tongues. He's talking about prophecy and kind of comparing prophecy and tongues and how um, if we're to speak in tongues and give an interpretation, then it edifies the body, right? If we prophesy, it edifies the body. But in the middle of it, he says, and this is the context. I like to set the context for what we're reading. Um, but in the middle of it, he says in verse 15, what is the outcome then? I shall pray with the spirit and I shall pray with the mind also. Now here's our worship. I shall sing with the spirit and I shall sing with the mind also. Otherwise, now he's given his, con- he's given his reasoning. Otherwise, if you bless in the spirit only, how will the one who fills the place of the ungifted, so in other words, who is not operating in the gifts, who is not operating in the worship, operating in this, how will the one who fills the place of the ungifted say amen at your giving of thanks since he doesn't know what you're saying? For you, this is a kicker here, for you are giving thanks well enough, but the other man is not edified. How many times have we said, well, I worship in my heart. 
God knows my heart. He does. And just and right here it says, you've given thanks. If you're worshiping inwardly, you've given thanks well enough. But you have not edified those who are around you. Now, I want to make a, a real quick point of, of clarification here. Worship is not for others. Pastor Steve talked about this last week. Worship is not for others. It is for God alone. We come in and give God worship. The edification of others is a byproduct. And it's important, but we can't do it for the edification of others. We do it for God. But God, and Paul talks about this here. He wants us to worship inwardly and outwardly because why not give God the praise and bring people along with us, right? Why not have that, Pastor Steve was talking about it in, uh, in our team huddle. Why not have that contagious worship, right? What if, let me ask you this. What if, your praise, your outward expression of praise was the very thing that somebody needed to give their heart to Christ. What if they saw you and your excitement for God and said, wow, I need that. Let me see what this whole Jesus thing is about. Would it put in perspective better for us why we do these things, right? Why it's important to express these things for people to see. Again, it's for God, but it's also as a byproduct edification of the church. So it is so important to express our love. I heard a story once of a husband and wife, and we've probably said it here several times, so you've probably heard it too. But they were having some marital problems. And uh, the wife came to the husband, and and she's just like, I don't understand why... Like, you never tell me you love me. You never show me you love me. You, I feel unwanted. I feel unappreciated. I feel like, I just feel like you don't love me. And the husband was kind of taken back and he was like, honey, I told you when, we, when I married you that I loved you. And if that ever changed, I'd let you know, <laughs> right? And, and that just seems absurd to us, right? That seems absurd to us because love needs to be expressed, right we would never pursue in the natural a relationship with somebody from the start that they're going to say i love you but i'm never going to show you right we would never pursue that but so often and it's so easy to do so often in the spiritual realm and in our walk with god we do just that at the beginning of our walk we accept christ and say god i love you and then we walk out our life as if i told you once and if it changes i'll let you know and we never express it to him. He is worthy to be, have our love expressed to us. So throughout the message today, um, I'm going to ask you some questions. This is a call and response type thing. I'm going to ask you a few questions and your response is always going to be, it's an expression of love. So if I say, what is worship? You would say... An expression of love, that's right. And we're gonna go through some of these expressions together today. uh, And as we talk about them, I'm gonna ask you, what is singing? What is clapping? What is shouting? And we're gonna respond together that it is an expression of love. That's right. So we've seen the why we need to express our love to God. I wanna move into the how. And I I wanna ask you to turn, I think I already asked you. So if you're not there uh, already, turn to chapter 12 of Romans. and we've read the, the why in verse 11, 33 through 36. Now we're getting to uh, the, the how. How do we express our love to our Father and to our King? Now, I really would love to take the time to like go through this entire chapter because as I was reading it, I was getting so excited about it because chapter 12 is a blueprint for worship. Um, I have been guilty and, and probably up until this week, 
have been guilty of looking at this chapter in sections. I've looked at it as the worship section, which was verses one and two, maybe three. But then when we get to four, we start talking about we are one body with different gifts. So now we're talking about, at least in my mind, now we're talking about, oh, we're talking about spiritual gifts. And if you've got these spiritual gifts, use them. And then we move into the last section that is, that is more general overall statements like love be without hypocrisy. It, it, statements such as um, bless those who persecute you and bless those and curse not. And we look at these in sections, but I wanna challenge you this week since we don't have the time to go into it. I wanna challenge you to read this entire chapter in the context and in the light and through the lens of worship. Because it literally, literally goes through and tells you all of these actions, this is worship. When you bless those who curse you, that's worship because it's an expression of love, right? Worship is an expression of love. And so when it tells us to help the needy, that's worship because it's an expression of love. So the how we express our, our worship, and this could be a sermon series in and of itself, but I'm just going to mention it. But worship is a lifestyle. Read chapter 12, understand that everything in that is talking about worship. And worship includes our thoughts, our actions, our motivations, our decisions, the things we spend time on, the things we spend money on, because worship is worth-ship. Pastor Steve said it last week. It's what we put worth on. It's what we put value on. So the things we think about, does it communicate that we're putting value on biblical principles or not? That is what worship is. We're worshiping something, it's just whether we're worshiping God or not. So here's where we're getting to the meat of things. And I know y'all have all been just like sitting on the edge of your seat waiting for this. But we're getting to the part we've, where we've, we've spelled out why. We've, we've started into how. We express our love through a lifestyle of worship. Now we're going to look at the, the, the big part of what we're talking about. And that is through outward expressions of love. Or through PDA, as, like, as we talked about a little bit ago. Our public displays of affection for God. Um, so let's, now, now we're going to Romans 12, 1, and I'm excited. I urge you, therefore, we've seen why, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Now, I want you to note something. He didn't say, I want you to offer your heart as a living sacrifice. I don't want you, I want you to offer your mind as a living sacrifice. He says bodies. This is a physical thing. This points to the fact that when we outwardly express our worship, we are actually being obedient to this verse right here that we are presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice. Um, so we're gonna look at some of these, these things together today and I'm so excited about this. Um, I'm not going to do it in 15 minutes, so I'm sorry. Uh, just give me, just, I, I, we're going we're gonna to blow through this, and you are going to be ready to worship uh, in a mighty way. It's not going to be that much longer than 15 minutes. I would put you at ease. Um, but the first one we're going to look at is singing. So this, this, is, this is something we're all familiar with, right? We do it every week. We do it up here. It is, it is the context of how worship happens typically in our worship services. Now, the word sheer, which is the Hebrew word um, for singing in, in the, in the Bible literally means to sing a call to praise and I love this in Isaiah when the word sheer is used it actually is defined an expression of love so what is worship an expression of love now singing is mentioned over 400 times in the Bible and at least 50 of those 400 times are commands to sing in Colossians chapter 3, uh, verse 16, it says, Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another 
with all wisdom through what? Psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your heart. Now, I had a bunch of scriptures I wanted to read off to you. We're going to put the references on the screen. Um, so if you want to do some study at, at home, and this is by no means an exhaustive list. That, again, it was mentioned 400 times. I wasn't going to put 400 <laughs> uh, um, references up there but if you want to jot these down jot them down and go back and look at them but I want to tell you something singing and music is so powerful um, it's a it's such a powerful form of worship and the reason it's powerful is because it engages our triune selves what does that mean what are we made up of we're made up of body mind spirit right when we sing we are actually engaging every one of those look at this when we sing how often do we hear some music and we just kind of so beep bopping around. I'm not going to dance. My wife might throw something at me because I can't dance. That's the problem. Um, but we start feeling the rhythm. We start moving. We start using our bodies. What else do we use when we sing? We use our vocal cords. We are literally using our bodies when we sing and worship. We also use our minds when we worship. As we sing lyrics, as we sing praises, as we release words into the atmosphere, we are using our minds to formulate our praise to God. We also use our spirit and connect with God in our spirit when we sing. How many of you have ever been listening to a song and just, you don't understand why, it wasn't necessarily the lyric that was said, but you don't understand why, but something in the song just speaks to you in the depths of your soul. And you begin to weep just because God's spirit and the, and the, and the, and the, the message of the song and just whatever it is, the melodies of the music is ministering to your spirit. So this is why music and song is so important and so powerful because we are literally engaging every part of who we are when we worship in this way. God is a triune God, right? And we are triune beings. We're made in the likeness of him and we are connecting with him on every level when we offer a song to him. We sing because it ministers to the heart of God in a, ways, uh, in a way that other methods do not. Now, you don't have to be good at singing. I know some of you are like, okay, check, I'm out of that one because I can't sing. Um, the Bible didn't say make a beautiful noise. Or a beautiful sound to God. He said, make a joyful sound to God. And what do we talk about? Worship is it for us. It's not about others around us even. There's a byproduct of edification, but it's not about others. It's about lifting our song to God. And so, um, so we sing. Now, unfortunate, unfortunately, um, because of the power of music and because of the power of song, too often people assume that that is worship. That, it, that, that worship is contained, a lot of our services are modeled after that, 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 that we sing and that is worship. But like we said, worship is a lifestyle and this is just one tool that we use to worship. So I ask you this morning, what is singing praises to God? An expression of love, that's right. The next one we're going to look at is lifting your hands. Now, the word yada, and our, our worship team has gone through some of these studies, so y'all are going to start hearing some things that we've been talking about back here. But the word yada means to give thanks, to confess, or to cast praise with lifted hands. I like that definition, to cast praise with lifted hands. Um, Lamentations chapter 3 verse 41 says, let us lift up our hearts and our hands in worship to God or to God in heaven. Now, this combats that whole theory of I'm worshiping inwardly, I don't have to worship outwardly. This says, let us lift our hearts, check, A, we all got that, and our hands in worship to God. Let's cast our praise to him. Now, 
Now we have, again, like we said at the beginning, we have this mental block when it comes to outward expressions of praise. But I, I think that each and every one of us have a natural ability to understand this. And I'm gonna show you how. I'm gonna ask my son Judah to come up. I hope, he's a little shy sometimes. Come here, buddy. You wanna come up here with me? I love you. Okay, so let me tell you a little bit about Judah. Judah is a ham. Give him a hand. Look, they're all clapping for you, buddy. Give me five. Yeah. Judah is a ham and I love it. Um, he is, anybody that knows him, he is just, he's just a ball of energy. But I want to show you something that happens real quick. You want me to hold you? Come here. What did he do? He lifted his hands, right? We all have an ability to understand that. We all have an ability to understand even from a young age that when we want something or when we want to communicate something, there's an outward expression of what we want to communicate. See, my, my little boy here, he wanted me to pick him up because he's, I, I can imagine this is probably pretty scary for somebody his age. Um, but he wanted me to pick him up and he communicated that to me by lifting his hands. Hey, you did good, buddy. Can I have a five? Can you say bye-bye? <laughs> here you go, mom. Love you, dude. All right. Yeah, give him another hand. He did really good. We were a little unsure because that's, that's a scary thing for a little kid. But he lifts his hand and we understood. How many of you understood that? It made sense, right? We've seen it since we were kids. If we want to tell someone, I want you to pick me up, we lift our hands and they pick us up. The same is true in the spiritual realm. It's an act of giving thanks. It's a confession of our need for him and it's an action of surrender. We're saying, God, here I am. I'm opening myself up to you right? I want to hold you. I want you to hold me. I surrender. It's an act of surrender and giving thanks. It's casting praise on him. It is an outward expression of an inward posture. Now, I would love to get into this, and so, and I can't because of time, but it, a really cool thing, and our worship team's gone through it, but a really cool thing was done, a scientific study, on the idea of open postures. Um, in short, they took a group of people and for like, I think two minutes, they had them stand or sit in open posture. So what is an open posture? Either like this with, you know, the legs and hands spread, or if they're sitting down, you know, arms over the chairs. And then the closed off postures were closed in like this, arms crossed, maybe legs crossed as you're sitting down. And so for two minutes, they sat in these positions and the result and what they proved was they, they knew they knew that your thoughts could affect your actions. They wanted to see if their actions, if people's actions could affect your thoughts and could affect your mood and could affect your perspective. And what they found was just for two minutes, as little as two minutes standing or sitting in an open posture could actually affect the way you think. They put them through job interviews and those who had open postures actually were more confident, were more positive, and did better in the job interview than those with closed postures. So what I find so cool is that God asks us to express ourselves in these ways, right? And it is for God. Don't give me, don't hear, don't hear anything other than that except that it's for God, but God even wired us in a way that when we do that, it has a physiological effect on us in a positive way. How cool is that? So I ask you, what is lifting your hands to our Savior? An expression of love. It is our worship. Now, the next one we're going to look at is bowing. Now, this is one, unfortunately, that I feel like in our society, in our churches, it, it, we shy away from. 
And it's very unfortunate because it's such a powerful way to worship our God. The word shakah in, in the Hebrew means to prostrate oneself or to lay flat on the ground, to humbly beseech, to do reverence, worship, or to bow down. Psalms 95, 6 says, come let us worship, that's the word shakah, and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. We're gonna put the re- some more references up here. If you wanna do study on your own, uh, by all means, go for it. But it's funny because the, in Psalms 95, 6, it says, let us worship which is the word shakah which means bow down and then it says and bow down so essentially psalms 95 6 says let us bow down and bow down so i was i'm reading a book and i'm going to reference it here in a little bit but i'm reading this book on worship and he makes this point that we oftentimes want to bow in our heart we want to bow humbly in our heart but this scripture alone like clarifies like is it in our heart or is it physically well he's like well let's just knock both of them out we'll say we'll bow down and we'll bow down so we're going to bow down in spirit but we are also going to bow down physically now it's unfortunate in our society that we've gotten away from this um but for generations for for uh in all throughout history we've seen it that when royalty comes in the room when someone a ruler comes into the room people around bow down what is the purpose of that? Well, the purpose is saying you are more worthy to be in a higher position than I am. So I am going to humble myself and I'm going to bow down lower. I want my head, my thoughts, my actions to be lower than yours because you are holy and you are worthy. And that applies to the word, I mean, to God as well. Bowing down is a demonstration of lordship in our lives. It's a total, total surrender to God. It's an expression of love that communicates just that, a complete surrender of ourselves to God. So I ask you this morning, what is bowing down? An expression of love. Man, you guys are good at answering these. Y'all came prepared. All right, now we're gonna get into some fun ones. All right, y'all ready? Shouting. Now, some of us are excited about this and some of us are like, holy cow, I don't want to do that. (laughs) But shouting is a form of worship in the word that we are commanded to do. And the word ruah in the word kind of makes me think of the Marines. We're like, hooah, they're ready to go out to battle, right? But it's ruah means to split the ears, i.e. to shout, make a joyful noise or a sound of triumph. Well, that definition alone doesn't get you. Let's take a little bit deeper look. In Psalms 47.1, here's a command to do this, and it uses the word ruah. says, oh, clap your hands, all the peoples, shout to God with the voice of joy. Now, a lot of these, I just took the little main definition of these words, but this one was too good to not read the entire thing. So I want to read you this, and I want you to catch this, all right? If you don't catch anything else from shouting, I want you to catch, catch this. Uh, the word ruah says it is a verb meaning to shout, to sound a blast. It occurs 33 times in the Old Testament and was utilized fundamentally to convey the action of shout, shouting, the word ruah was, um, or the making of loud noise. Shouting often took place just before a people or army rushed into battle against opposition. Sometimes, now catch this, sometimes it was the war cry and the very signal used to commence engagement with the enemy. Imagine that. You have this army ready to go to battle and the shout was the commencement to engage the enemy. Guys, it's unfortunate, but Christians today, and I'm guilty of it too, we today so often 
wait for the enemy to come to us. We so often want to walk our Christian life, want to, want to have our relationship with Jesus. And when trials come, when tribulations come, well, then we're going to get the warriors together. Then we're going to get the prayer warriors together. And we're going to fight this thing. We're going to defend our Christian faith and defend ourselves and defend our family. I believe that God is calling a church that is not willing to sit back and wait for the enemy to come to them, but they are going to stand up and say, I am going to shout. I am going to give my war cry. I am going to pick a fight with the enemy. See, see, God didn't call us to defend ourselves. God didn't call us just to pray, just to get uh, on our knees and to seek and to go to... Guys, worship is warfare. If, I should have probably said that a little bit earlier on. But worship is a tool of warfare. It's a weapon in our warfare. And God is not wanting a generation in a church that sits back and waits for the fight to come to them. We are here to take ground. We are here to go out and say what the enemy took and what the enemy meant for evil, I'm taking back because I'm gonna give a shout of praise and I'm gonna say, God, I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what it sounds like. I don't care who looks at me, who thinks I'm insane. Just like David, I'm gonna become more undignified than this because we're gonna shout to God and we are going to give him a praise that takes back territory. If you wanna take back territory, give a shout of praise to God. Woo, thank you, Jesus. Lord, we give you praise. Yes. We're taking back territory for you, Father. We're taking it back. Yes. Woo. God is good, isn't he? We're taking territory, you coming with me? We're not going back. Guys, this is not me. I don't, I'm not demonstrative like this. You can ask Kellen, I'm not demonstrative, but when it comes to the spiritual well-being of our society, I don't care what I look like. When it comes to giving God praise and taking back territory for our God and the kingdom of his glory, I don't care what it sounds like. We are here for such a time as this. And we are here to rise up for our God and Savior. So I ask you this morning, what is shouting? It's an expression of love and it's a war cry that we can take back territory. Amen? The next one I want to look at, it's hard to move past that one. I should probably put that one last. The next one we're going to look at is dancing. And we're almost done here. Um, but, but the next one we're gonna look at is dancing. In Psalms chapter uh, 150, verse four, it says, praise him with the tambourine and with dancing. Praise him with the stringed instruments and the flute. We're gonna put some more references on the screen for you to jot down if you'd like to. But this, just like the one with Judah, uh, where he came up and the lifting of the hands, this is something that we have a natural ability to understand as well. In the context of, of worship, sometimes it's uncomfortable, just like we've talked about it at each of these. But we have a natural ability to understand this. We have something in our day and age called the happy dance. Have y'all ever heard of it? Yeah, we text memes, we, we get a good promotion, we get good uh, um, feedback on something, we, we, whatever it may be that makes us happy, we do a little happy dance. A little jig, I know Kelly, you're squirming in your seat, but we do a half, happy dance. She, she keeps me honest because I can't, I can't dance, so you know, whatever. But we, we understand it, right? We understand what a happy dance is, and we have an ability to understand it. Dancing for the Lord is the same. It can be a celebratory expression of love. We also understand it in an intimate moment with our Father. We go to weddings and we see the, the bride and the groom stand face to face in an intimate moment, swaying back and forth, 
locked eyes in an intimate moment dancing together. And that can be also an expression of love to our Father. So what is dancing? It's an expression of love. That is worship. Now the last one we're going to look at is clapping. And I reserve this one for last because we're most familiar with this. We are most comfortable with clapping in our congregation and in our society, really in the church. Um, but I'm about to blow your mind. We, we talked about uh, singing and shouting, all these references of where we're commanded and how often we're commanded to sing and shout and bow down and all these things. You know how many times that we're commanded to clap in the Bible? One time. Now, all of you are going to go home and do your research, aren't you? You're going to be like, I'm going to find another one. Proof Pastor Trey wrong. Clapping is referenced quite often in the word. It's referenced in, into uh, the clapping of, of the trees and praise to God, the clapping of nature and mountains. And it also is referenced in people clapping uh, in praise and honor to God. But as a command where it says to us to clap, for praise or clap to God. It's mentioned in Psalms 47.1. It says, oh, clap your hands. And we've already read this this morning with a shout. Um, oh, clap your hands, all you people. Shout to God with the voice of joy. Now, I don't want you to get me wrong. Just because it's only commanded of us once doesn't make it any less important. Because the reality is, is if the word tells us to do it once or if it tells us to do it a hundred times, the word still tells us to do it. And it's our job to be obedient in that. So I don't want you to get lost on the fact that like, oh, clapping's not as important as any other command in the Bible. But what I do want to point out is if we are so ready in this context to put our hands together over being told to do it once, is it not appropriate that the things that we are told over and over and over and over again, is it not appropriate that we express ourselves in those ways as well? If we're comfortable doing it when we're told once, we have to be okay doing it when we're told hundreds of times to shout or to sing or to bow down or to lift our hands in worship. So I ask you one last time, what is clapping? It's an expression of our love. It is worship. Now, you may be here today thinking, Trey, I see the biblical proof that you've given me, but I see week in and week out, week in and week out, people going crazy for Jesus, jumping, shouting. I mean, you see it on our worship team, spinning around. I, I, love, I love when Brandon and Lauren kind of get going and they're just kind of dancing back and forth. I wish I had the moves that they have. But you see it week in, week out, and you, you probably have thought to yourself, at some point in your life, there is absolutely no way that somebody can be that excited, that like spiritual level up here all the time. That they can just be feeling the spirit and, 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 and just filled with joy, overflowing and, and have all the feels and the emotions all the time that they would act like that week in, week out, week in, week out. And honestly, honestly, so often we look at that and think, that, that's gotta be fake, right? They, they've gotta be going crazy and just doing it fake. They're doing it for a show. And I honestly can see how so many people have made this connection because you're right, there is no way that as humans, an individual can 100% of the time, every moment of their life, feel like doing it. No way, there's no way that we can do it. But 
I'm about to unlock something for you this morning that when I give you this nugget of truth, I believe it's going to unlock something for your praise. And I believe if it's gonna release something in you that you can now begin to move forward in your expressions of love and not care about how you feel or how anyone else feels. It's not fake when we see people worshiping when they don't feel like it. It's not fake, it's obedient. We've read scripture after scripture after scripture after scripture of, of, of the word telling us to clap, to sing, to shout, to lift our hands. All of these outward expressions of our heart of worship. And when we do these things, when we, I can guarantee you one thing. I don't feel like it every week. I know our team doesn't feel like it every week. I know those who fill these altars and just give God their all outwardly don't feel like it every week. You have to, we have to begin to look at that and say, that, that person's being obedient. They're not being fake. They're being obedient. Now, obviously, if the heart isn't right and people are doing it to be seen, now that would be fake. But if your heart is right and you want to give God a praise and you come in here and feel about as spiritual as sitting on the couch eating potato chips and you still choose to shout and dance and praise and clap your hands and lift your hands, my friend, you are being obedient to the word of God and it's going to unlock something in your life. I want to ask you to stand all over this place. And I'm going to read you a quote from the book I referenced earlier, which some of the principles from this very message were were taken from this book. The book is How to Worship a King by Zach Neese. And I would highly encourage you to read it if you want to learn more about worship. But he says in the book, worship begins with the motivation of love, but love must be expressed in order to be worship. Because unexpressed love is no love at all. And I don't want it to be said of me that I'm not giving God the love that he deserves. We're gonna read Revelation chapter seven as we close this morning. And we're gonna, we're gonna look at this scene in heaven that's happening. It says, after, all, after these things I looked and behold a great multitude which no one could count from every nation and all tribes and peoples and tongues standing before the throne and before the lamb clothed in white robes and palm branches were in their hands and they cried out with a loud voice. They didn't worship inwardly. They cried out with a loud voice saying, salvation to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb and all the angels were standing around the throne. The elders and the four living creatures, they fell on their faces. There's your bowing before the throne and they worship God saying in a loud voice, remember, amen and blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. I want you to imagine, yes, give God praise. He is worthy. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Now, I want you to imagine that you're a part of this scene in heaven, and your task is now to bring that scene to earth. Jesus taught us when he taught us to pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Earlier in Revelation, We know the one will in heaven that's happening of God is worship day and night. Singing holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And it's our job to bring that here. We hope you enjoyed this inspirational message today. If you would like more information about Faith Assembly, please visit us on the web at faith-assembly.org. Thanks again for joining us and we hope you have a blessed day.